Welcome to Right On Radio. Happy July 4th to all of my American brothers and sisters, and welcome to everyone listening from around the world as America celebrates Independence Day. I'm here to tell you that there is stuff to celebrate. Before I get into the information, and uh, I, I... don't know if I'm going to use this as the title, but I'm calling it my July 4th Red Meat Spectacular. <laughs> uh, because I do want to spread some hope. I do want to spread some joy. And if you're able to follow along, you might have to listen carefully uh, to some of the things I'm going to say. I'm going to try to put thousands of hours of research into... Uh, this program, hopefully less than an hour. I'm not going to play too many clips so I can get some stuff out there. Uh, but just before I start, I want to tell you that, you know, lately I've been doing these shows, Dark to Light, and where does the plan come from? And I'm convinced I'm on to something with all of that. Because there are certain things that must happen to bring about the end. And I don't know when the end is. I want to be clear on that. But humanity cannot be forced to take, to partake, uh, to forced to, you know, uh, go into the mark of the beast. People will be lining up to do it. And so, I've said for years, it is my feeling that there will be a time, however short-lived or however long, I don't know, uh, some prosperity, and then that is when the real test for you, Christian brothers and sisters, begins. So no, I'm not contradicting uh, with this particular program I, just like you, still live in this world and want a better life for my family. Donald J. Trump 
has put forth the very best plan and some results to make that happen. I'm really quite inspired today by some phone conversations that I had yesterday, uh, one in particular that really has some inside knowledge because this person is inside at a high level. And this person has assured me that there are people, good people, working behind the scenes and have been for many, many years, just like you hear on a lot of the Patriot programs and stuff like that. There's confirmations of that. And of course, using common sense, logic, and deduction, of course, there's patriotic people who are fighting to save America. And it's not DJT alone. So having said that, I want to read a scripture to begin. And this is a famous one, folks. It's one I like to go back to from time to time. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future, for I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. Amen. All right. If you caught the last Podbean live, I do. And if you're not on Podbean, I suggest you download the app. You can go to the website that's on my screen here for those of you watching video, but uh, it's best to download the app and that way you can participate in the lives and stuff like that. If you Remember the last one that I did, I played the clip of Bill Cooper saying that we have not been under a constitutional republic since 1933. And he presents the evidence and everything. I don't need to pull it all out. Uh, watch the news and you'll see that there's no constitution. In fact, uh, part of what I'm going to get into here is, you know, what has happened to Donald Trump. All his constitutional rights have been thrown out. And I want to put this forth as a premise to you, that he puts everything in the forefront for everyone to see. It all goes into the spotlight, folks. And it's done for a reason. The fact that his constitutional rights, the president, has been treated this way. He's telling you, and things I'm pretty sure are about to change. I want to, actually, you know what? Let me play you a quick clip, and I'm going to begin and end the broadcast with this. Yeah. So we all know about the books, uh, Baron Trump's Marvelous Underground Adventures, Ingersoll Locke in the late 1800s. Also, 1900, The Last President. And I'm going to just play a brief clip from the last president audiobook for you. This is the very beginning of chapter one, and then I'm going to read some stuff, and then we're going to look at some real events in modern day. And I think when I play, when I put all of this stuff together, if you if you have ears to hear. <laughs> I think you could have a good sense of where we are. 
Yeah. So I'm just going to play, you know, just a, not even a, a very long segment, but just the very opening of the book, The Last President, from Ingersoll like Lockwood, 1900. 1900 or The Last President by Ingersoll Lockwood, Chapter 1. The Chicago platform assumes, in fact, the form of a revolutionary propaganda. It embodies a menace of national disintegration and destruction. Garrett A. Hobart. Okay, let me just stop it there. The national press is pushing this, you know, uh, narrative of national destruction, you know, the, the fall of society. Kind of like they're doing now. But let's continue with the opening of the book. Chapter 1. That was a terrible night for the great city of New York, the night of Tuesday, November 3rd, 1896. The city staggered under the blow like a huge ocean liner, which plunges full speed with terrific crash into a mighty iceberg. Okay, we're talking about election day. A mighty boat goes forward, you know, something that can't be stopped typically, but it hits an iceberg. Is this foretelling of the Federal Reserve? Keep listening. And recoils shattered and trembling like an aspen. The people were gathered, lighthearted and confident, at the evening meal when the news burst upon them. It was like a thunderbolt out of an azure sky. Altgeld holds Illinois hard and fast in the Democratic line. This elects Bryan, President of the United States. Strange to say, the people in the upper portion of the city made no movement to rush out of their houses and collect in the public squares, although the night was clear and beautiful. They sat as if paralyzed with a nameless dread, and when they conversed, it was with bated breath and throbbing hearts. In less than half an hour, mounted policemen dashed through the streets, calling out, Keep within your houses, close your doors, and barricade them. The entire east side is in a state of uproar. Mobs of vast size are organizing under the lead of anarchists and socialists, and threaten to plunder and despoil the houses of the rich who have wronged and oppressed them for so many years. Okay, so let's just stop there. So there's an election. An outsider named Brian, in this case, gets elected. The people are calm, but the anarchists are sent out. Sound familiar? Let me read something to you, just kind of an exhortation of the book. Ingersoll Lockwood, an American political writer, lawyer, and novelist combined a unique mixture of science fiction and fantasy into his novels from the late 1800s. Two of his most popular works of literature were illustrated children's stories focusing on a peculiar fictional characters whose name rings a bell in 2017, Baron Trump. Trump, an aristocratically wealthy young man, living in Castle Trump, is the protagonist of Lockwood's first two fictional novels, The Travels and Adventures of Little Baron Trump and his wonderful dog, Bulger, and Baron Trump's marvelous underground journey. The little boy who has an unending imagination and a very active brain is bored of the luxurious lifestyle he has grown so accustomed to. In a twist of fate, Trump visits Russia to embark on an extraordinary adventure that will shape the rest of his life. Lockwood's final novel arrived in 1896 titled The Last President. Before leaving for his voyage through the unknown, Trump is told of his family motto. The pathway to glory is strewn with pitfalls and dangers. Illustration, illustrations from the novels depict Trump dressed in lavish, old-fashioned clothing and jewelry as he departs from Castle Trump 
and begins his voyage heading to Russia to locate an entrance into alternate dimensions. But by Lockwood's third novel, The Last President, things become even more eerily linked to the president's present day. The story begins with a scene from a panicked New York City in November describing a state of uproar after the election of an enormously opposed outsider candidate. The entire east side is in a state of uproar. Police officers shouted through the steep streets warning the folks to stay indoors for the night. Mobs of vast size are organizing under the lead of anarchists and socialists, communists, and threaten to plunder and despoil the houses of the rich who have wronged and oppressed them for so many years. The Fifth Avenue Hotel will be the first to feel the fury of the mob. The novel continues, citing an address in New York City where Trump Tower now stands. Then in quotation marks from this book, would the troops be in time to save it? The last president doesn't follow the same fictional narrative of Lockwood's previous novels, though the links to Trump are once again abundantly clear. The president's hometown of New York City is fearing the collapse of the Republic in this book, also titled 1900, immediately following the transition of presidential power. Some Americans begin forming a resistance protesting what was seen as a corrupt and unethical election process. So why did I read all of that to you? Well, it has everything in it. If you think about it, who are the enemies of the people? The media? The bar, certainly, it's through lawfare that we've been enslaved, imprisoned. The banksters and the corporations in partnership with fake governments have been dictating our lives. Through places like the District of Columbia, which is not part of the so-called United States. Why do laws not apply to them? Why have you seen so many corrupt politicians being put out in the spotlight via Trump tweets, via, pu via public statements, through the impeachment processes that have gone on through all of the opposition? They've all been paraded out in front and Trump has been proved right every time. So who has he put out in the spotlight? Well, certainly, let's begin with Hillary, who he ran against in 2016. Crooked Hillary. Now he's on to crooked Biden. Then people started looking into the Clinton Foundation. And all of these different things, the the, the uh, selling of, you know, Uranium One, the trafficking, which, by the way, that movie comes out today, The Sound of Freedom, I'm not going to go on and on about it, but most of you have seen what I've seen, and Trump has pushed Tim Ballard out into the spotlight. And Jim Caviezel has followed. You make up your own mind on that. I still think the movie will do very good. Um, Trump's always also pushed out Iraq. 
he called it a bad war. In doing so, he's called out Bush, Cheney. Um, don't forget the Bush funeral. I had to make that little side note. And I didn't pull the clips. But who else has Trump put into the spotlight? Obviously, Russia. Connections there. But if you look at his speeches that he gave at the United Nations and at the World Economic Forum, he put all of these people in their place. He put them all in their place. But how does he know so much? How does Trump know so much? Well, that's maybe an unanswered question. But I don't want you to lose sight of this. And remember, the theme of this is the last president. Let me just play a very short clip here for your entertainment pleasure. dug up an old quote from Donald Trump talking about a large-scale terror attack 19 months before 9-11. In his 2000 book, The America We Deserve, Trump wrote, I really am convinced we're in danger of the sort of terrorist attacks that will make the bombing of the 1993 Trade Center look like little kids playing with firecrackers. Trump also mentioned the mastermind of the attack, writing, quote, one day we're told that a shadowy figure with no fixed address named Osama bin Laden is public enemy number one and U.S. jet fighters lay waste to his camp in Afghanistan. He escapes back under some rock and a few news cycles later, it's on to a new enemy and a new crisis. Trump. Wait, 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 yeah. wait, wait. Mm -hmm. Okay, hold yeah. on a second. And then it shows one of his tweets from Donald Trump. See, the attack very possibly could have been stopped. We need real leadership and real vision. <laughs> Folks, how did he know and so the book came out in 2000. That means he wrote it before 2000. He names the World Trade Center. By the way, very importantly, he names the 1993 attack, which doesn't get the publicity that it should because it's all tied in together, just like the embassy bombing in uh, Niobe, Kenya that Michelle, Michelle Stefanik uh, has been blowing the whistle on. In fact, you know what? I kind of just say to you, folks, you got to buy this book. <laughs> Tell the truth until they don't like what you have to say by Michelle Stefanik. It's available on Amazon. You've never seen anything like this with the amount of detail and quotations and the knowledge she has. So do check that out, folks. It is worth it. It's one you want to have in your collections. Um, so he predicted that with even the detail of the exact name of the person who is going to be blamed and that he would also be found, you know, living under a rock in Afghanistan, the war in Afghanistan, went beyond that. And part of what he ran on in 2016 was ending endless wars because we know what has been pushed out in the spotlight through his presidency was Afghanistan, and he was going to withdraw perfectly <laughs> as he says, but he knows it was just a way to funnel all the U.S. taxpayer money into the hands of very bad people, just like Ukraine is now. And I'm going to come back to Ukraine shortly. 
but he predicted 911, Bin Laden, and everyone else. But the media all said, no, it was the Saudis. And quite honestly, listen, that you know, I'm against Sharia law and all that stuff, just like you, you know, you are, because it's inhumane. But the Saudis have actually been very good partners to the United States in many ways. And when Trump got elected, he got that hero's welcome. He got, you know, that uh, that sword uh, reception, which they only do for basically kings. Remember that? I think that's going to play very important as we go into the future because it was our partnership with Saudi Arabia that helped create the petrodollar, which, as you know, now is collapsing. And in a related note to the petrodollar collapsing, why are so many people in this so-called patriot truther movement cheering on the formation of the BRICS? Dollar? Like, we want the fiat currency gone. I get it. But Brazil now has a communist government. China has a communist government. Russia, for what it's worth, kind of like a totalitarian government, used to be communist. Some debate it still is. India, well, India actually has a pretty good guy in there. I think Modi seems pretty good, but... There's 150 countries going forming against the United States. It's a, it's the designed collapse of the United States in many ways. And there's going to be some hardship from it. Maybe it'll be short-lived. I think it would be short-lived. But after Saudi Arabia, Trump went to China. He did this whole whirlwind stop. I'm only focusing on a couple. And Trump got what no other American president or really American has ever got. He got an invite by President Xi to that lost sacred city. The highest honor for Trump. But I think it's more than just a high honor. What's the symbolism of a lost city? I'm putting it together with Tartaria. We have lost cities. There's lots of proof that people had free energy that, you know, a lot of our history in the last 150 years has been altered. And it's been altered for the enslavement of you and to usher in the Antichrist. Remember, everything starts in the spirit. So those agendas have been at play. But not only do we have these books, The Last President, and Baron Trump's marvelous underground adventures, but we have the Trump connection with his uncle, who is one of the ones who looked at all of the Tesla technology and patents, free energy, things like that. Why do I say that? Lost city in China, free energy, and then look at the back of a $1 bill and you see a pyramid. Of course, you see the all-seeing eye over it. Don't go past that fact. But what were the pyramids? Well, if you've been following along 
it kind of relates to Tartaria because the pyramids were essentially large batteries putting out free energy. Now we know that this is all fallen angel technology. We know it was uh, a tribute to the gods of renown, the fallen ones, who want to return to glory and have all this has always been their plan to return them to glory and for a short period of time they're going to get it perhaps even in our lifetime <clears throat> now let's go on to a little bit more modern day stuff and I hope I'm not going to speak out of place here, but in talking with Michelle Stefanik, she had some really interesting things to say about the Mar-a-Lago raid. And I'm not going to steal all of her thunder because I'll probably have her on to discuss it. Because there's some timelines and stuff like that that are very important when you put all the pieces in, and I don't want to confuse it with all the pieces that she put in there. But if there really was a plan and some military people, oh, remember that quote from Ingersoll Lockwood? Sorry, my mouse when I'm running multiple screens is hard to locate. Um, would the troops be in time to save it. Remember that. So, if he was actually approached, you know, 20 years ago or whatever the date was, for him to become president, he was briefed on very, very high-level things. Perhaps he was even born and groomed for this. Who knows? But if he was brought up with all these things in mind, they had to get him into the presidency in the first term because the power of the presidency allows him to get a lot of information and he has the legal authority to declassify all this stuff and i'm not going to get into the weeds on what they call the legal battle over this stuff because we know it's all lawfare but i want you to take a higher view of what i'm about to tell you He knew about 911 before it happened. He knew about Osama bin Laden before it happened. He called the Iraq War before it happened and said it's a tragedy before it happened. Very unpopular viewpoint at the time. I think he got all the evidence he needed in his first term. And he knew he was going to lose 2020. He had foreknowledge. But there was an operation going on. So why did they have to raid? Well, it wasn't a raid. I'm going to rephrase it and say, search all of his documents they're trying to save their asses they are scared look at all the people he has put into the public spotlight have you seen that clip of donald trump talking about hunter biden lately and joe biden who he now calls corrupt joe and with these people who else does it bring into the spotlight? 
John Kerry, John Kerry's son, Nancy Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi's son, amongst many, many more. China Mitch. They've all been put out there for all to see. And don't forget, he keeps going back to saying central casting. How many times has he said, Joe's shot? That's not even Joe. Going back to the 20, uh, 20 debate with Joe Biden, did you catch the clip of him saying in the debate, that's not even Joe, he's wearing a mask? He said that in the debate, folks. And no one picks up on it. There's a lot more happening. Um, so during right around right at the same time of that raid, when they're going and looking for the documents, and by and they said he might have nuclear secrets. Well, yeah, it's a nuclear bomb that would destroy their lives. They don't care if a nuclear bomb destroys you. Folks, they were searching. And at the same time, he's being interrogated, if you'll remember, same week, at the Southern District of New York. It all comes back into New York. And it's reported that he took the Fifth Amendment over 440 times. They weren't asking about, you know, an accusation with a girl. They weren't asking about his taxes, folks. We don't have, I don't have the transcripts. But I think they were trying to pin him on his foreknowledge of these things like the 911 attack. And he knows exactly what happened. He's alluded to it so many times. There's thousands of clips I could play, folks. But I'm trusting you've been following for a little while and you've seen and heard them. One of the other things I wanted to put out there for you is that all through his presidency, just about every day, you know, Trump started off his daily address to the press and he did it every single day, you know, like a businessman. And he would report on the state of the union, essentially. And he would always quote the stock market and say, it's up, it's up, it's this, it's this, it's this. And you think he was being bravado about his record and it's happening under me, prosperity. Yes, part of it. Absolutely. Part of his perception but I also think he was highlighting the stock market for a reason. Because the stock market is a captured operation. It is totally fixed. And not that I'm a financial advisor, but someone who studies what God's word says about money. Um, the stock market is the definition of mammon, folks. You should not be in it. You should be in either business or real estate with your money. Just a little tip from me. So we're going to see a collapse. Um, there's actually a guy. Oh, I have a couple clips left I want to show you. Oh, I'll go to that. I'll end with this one. But there's a gentleman. Um, oh, hold on. This is uh, Colonel McGregor. And, you know, he's... Uh, he Tucker Carlson had him on from time to time. He seems to be one of these few who cuts through the BS and, uh, and kind of tells you like it is. Because whenever I've seen him speak... He's talking like it's uh, <laughs> like the way, like the information that we see. So let me just share the screen here real quick. 
This clip's about a minute, minute and 20 seconds. Listen to his words very closely. Logically, you're absolutely right. I don't think we'll ever get to the 2024 election. I think things are going to implode in Washington before then. I think our economic financial condition is fragile. It's going to come home to roost in ugly ways. I will tell you, I don't know exactly how it will happen. I think we're going to end up in a situation where we find out the banks are closed for two or three weeks and nobody can get into them. You think so? I think we're going to run into something like that. Yeah. I also think that the levels of violence and criminality in our cities is so high that it's going to spill over into other places in society. People that normally think they can live remote from the problem are now beginning to be touched by the problem. Then I look at this thing in Ukraine. I think Ukraine is going to lose catastrophically. It's going to be a complete collapse. And that too is going to have an effect here at home because people are going to say, well, wait a minute. Everybody told us Ukraine was winning. Everybody told us X, Y, and Z. I mean, sort of the, the Russian hoax on steroids. All of those things are going to come together or converge in some way that's going to prevent us from reaching, you know, the status quo, oh, another election, oh, another set of campaigns, and so forth. There was a lot in that little clip. There was a ton in there. Ukraine. We know about the Nazis running it. We know it's been the laundromat of the elite, one of them, for many years. All these things are coming to a head right now. The BRICS currency, the fall of the petrodollar, the Ukraine exposure, what happened with the virus the last few years, the lockdowns, all of it is coming to a head. And, well, before I uh, stay to the end, and I'm almost done here, because I really have, I think, a really good ending to this broadcast. Let me play you the ending of the book. So spoiler alert, I'm going to play you the very ending of The Last President. And I'm just going to get as close as I can to a time clip here. All right, that should be good enough. Uh, it's hard to get it precise. All right, the ending of the last president from just a random location, but you'll get the gist. ...of rude and native grandeur of bearing, the senators made their entrance into the chamber, the members of the House rising, and the speaker advancing to meet the vice president. The spectacle was grand and moving, tears gathered in eyes long unused to them, and at an almost imperceptible nod of the president's head, the chaplain raised his voice in prayer. He prayed in accents that were so gentle and so persuasive, they must have turned the hardest heart to blessed thoughts of peace and love and fraternity and union. Okay, I just want to stop it here just really quick. So it's unusual for the President of the United States and this outsider to go into the chambers right? Unless it's a state of the union address, which this isn't in this potential, in this case, it was a constitutional crisis. And then she says the chaplain reads out a prayer that was love and peace and so inspiring. Continue listening. And then again, all eyes were fixed with the intensest strain upon the face of the president. Gentlemen of the House of Representatives, 
This, with a sudden blow that startled every living soul within its hearing, the speaker's gavel fell. The president, said he with a superb dignity that called down from the galleries a burst of deafening applause, must not make reference to pending legislation. The Constitution guarantees him the right, from time to time, to give to the Congress information of the Union. He must keep himself strictly within the lines of this constitutional limit, or withdraw from the bar of the House. A deadly pallor overspread the face of the Chief Magistrate, till it seemed he must sink, then and there, into that sleep which knows no awakening. But he gasped, he leaned forward, he raised his hand again imploringly, and as he did so, the bells of the city began to toll the hour of midnight. The new year, the new century, was born, but with the last stroke a fearful and thunderous discharge as of a thousand monster pieces of artillery shook the capital to its very foundations, making the stoutest hearts stand still, and blanching cheeks that had never known the coward color. The dome of the capital had been destroyed by dynamite. In a few moments, when it was seen that the chamber had suffered no harm, the leader of the House moved the final passage of the act. The president was led away, and the Republican senators and representatives passed slowly out of the disfigured capital, while the tellers prepared to take the vote of the House. The bells were ringing a glad welcome to the new century, but a solemn tolling would have been a fitter thing, for the Republic of Washington was no more. It had died so peacefully that the world could not believe the tidings of its passing away. As the dawn broke cold and gray, and its first dim light fell upon that shattered dome, glorious even in its ruins, a single human eye, filled with a gleam of devilish joy, looked up at it long and steadily, and then its owner was caught up and lost in the surging mass of humanity that held the capital girt round and round. End of 1900, or The Last President. Dawning of a New Age. Congress had fell so peacefully. Pretty stunning, isn't it? Donald J. Trump, could he be the very last president? Just a couple personal thoughts. You know, if the, or when the dollar collapses and some things happen, um, I firmly believe there's going to be a blackout, folks, of some kind. They're going to have to do this to, if there's special operation forces working, they're going to have to take out the power. They're going to have to turn down the chatter so that these anarchist groups and that cannot assemble. They're going to have to cut the lines of communication. And it's going to be an unsettled time of days, maybe weeks. These are just my opinions, okay? Just my opinions. But it makes sense, common logic, reason, and deduction. For all this to go down, and there's that famous saying, 10 days of darkness, perhaps, perhaps longer, who knows. But I do know this, there will be a time, and you know, myself, born, bred in the USA, uh, living internationally now, obviously, but if you've ever traveled internationally, not just in Canada, but abroad, you know, in the, the Europe and anywhere, anywhere in the world, everyone's opinion of Americans is that we are arrogant. Although 
Americans are the most giving people in the world. Literally, no one outgives. And I'm ta not talking about governments giving away all your money. You, the American, are the most generous in the world to help everyone around the world. There's never been a nation like it before. But yet we are known as being arrogant and there's truth to it. I really see America is going to be humbled. You know, the old saying, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And Americans are tough. Before I read one last thing, um, if you'll just allow me, uh, on this patriotic day of uh, July 4th, if you're feeling patriotic, perhaps you want to go to mylibertystand.com and do just that. Stand for your liberty on this here Independence Day, mylibertystand.com. Also, and I don't include the days of darkness and stuff like that to make a commercial. I really believe this, folks. And that's why I've partnered with empshield.com. Go there, save $50 by using code ROR. So empshield.com at checkout, use coupon code ROR, save $50 per device. So if you buy a bundle of four devices, you're going to save 200 bucks. Okay. Uh, pretty significant. So let me read you one last thing before I close. And uh, I'm going to be reading from the book of Revelation. Because if you want to know how this thing ends, let me just read you part of it. And I'm not going to read all of chapter 22. I'm just going to read a couple select verses because it tells the story. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. As clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves the practices of falsehood. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen.
leave me a couple comments. I hope the show wasn't a source of confusion. I pray it gave you some hope. And Oh, I wanted to play one last clip for you. One last clip, just because it was great. No, hold on. Give me one second. Uh, this is a very short clip. Uh, for those of you listening on audio, you'll get the gist of it. But it's spectacular to watch. This is during COVID <clears throat> in the very so-called liberal state of California, which was turned red, folks. It was turned red. When they were told they couldn't have fireworks, well, look what happened. Oh, let me just rewind this. The past 10 minutes, 15 minutes or so, and there are massive fireworks going off pretty much in every direction that you see here. Jasmine, our local fire departments and police departments have been begging people not to do this, right. but it seems tonight they are not listening to those calls. Well, and they're, they're putting up new warnings on social media. I mean, they're saying safe and sane are even banned in a majority of cities in L.A. County, not to mention the city of L.A. has a ban as well. We know many of the public shows have been canceled, so we've done stories on this. More people have been, unfortunately, setting off illegal fireworks. I mean, it is quite the sight, but this is not supposed to be happening. I mean, you could be fined up to $50,000. We'll keep the back 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Or so. You could be fined up to $50,000 because they didn't want people gathering because of the boogeyman, the invisible enemy, folks. But I wanted to end with that clip because you see the resiliency of the American people. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I just on this day, I give you so much thanks. And I give you thanks for my birthplace, the United States of America. I give you thanks for the people of the United States. And I give you thanks for the people around the world who share in the dream of living life with, with hope and dignity and the pursuit of happiness. One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Lord, you are the righteous judge. And Lord, as you stated in Jeremiah, you have plans to prosper us. Lord, I know that's in the Old Testament, but you left it in your book for us to read today. And so, Lord, I claim that prayer on this day, not only for the nations and everyone who wants to live an upright life under God, under your rule, even before your coming, Lord. I pray that you will prosper them and give us rest. In the midst of all these things, just like David, when he's surrounded by his enemies, he sat and ate with all of them surrounding without a care, knowing of the sovereignty of his Lord. And I pray that upon everyone who hears the sound of this broadcast. In the name of my Lord and Savior, Yahuwah, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Amen. God bless each and every one of you. And remember to love your God. Love your family, love your neighbor as yourself, and make a difference in your community by getting out there and just loving on someone in Jesus' name.